0: Oh, hello. Many Magic the Gathering players ask the question, what are some of the most common mistakes that Commander players make while playing this game? And so I've invited here Commander player extraordinaire, Emma Handy. (laughs) Most people don't know this about you. Now, you are a huge Commander fan and player and and rather obsessed, I would say.
1: Yeah, so I've actually played... Basically, since it was called EDH way back in the day before Commander was a thing, I I played when talarian Academy was a legal card in the format. Like it's, I've been around. Right. You know, I, I love building decks. I used to work at a card store, and I would build five, six decks a week for people. Like, really, just a lot of stuff. You know, for anyone who hasn't heard me squawk this somewhere on the internet— I, uh, I actually helped design one of the recent brawl decks that came out. That's I am right. No stranger to the singleton format,
0: and and it was actually what most people said was the best of the brawl decks. Uh, uh, I mean, it's a subjective evaluation, perhaps, but it was Tulane. You d- you helped. You were a uh, 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 part of the team that designed Tulane. Yeah. But that was Brawl. So let's talk Commander.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: (laughs) What are some of the mistakes that Commander players make? I mean, is it possible to make mistakes in Commander in terms of just how you enjoy the game or uh, how you have fun with the game? Or what are we talking about when we say mistakes? That's what I want to define is what do you mean? A play mistake? uh, A goal mistake? What?
1: So I think that a lot of the time, whenever players are sitting down at the table There are some sort of underlying social contracts that everybody is assuming we're all going to be on the same page and we all want the same thing out of this. And that's not the case a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. We'll have a lot of people at tables with different goals where someone may have their nor-in-the-weary pandemonium cool, you know, kind of deck. And then someone else has their try-hard, for lack of a better term, Sign of the Ur Dragon, Hermit Druid combo deck, and these players are just not ever going to have a good time with one another.
0: It's a good deck, Emma, and it was one game I played it with. No, okay, but yes. look,
1: no one's perfect, right? Especially you. Um that might have come out No, She's no, I, that's so that,
0: mean to me. I, She's so mean.
1: No, it's it's fine. I you heard what
0: I said. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so <laughs> but but What's the problem there in that example? Like, what are you trying to 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 uh, uh, evoke as problematic uh, uh, with those decks or those decks goals? And can they ever sit down at the table and play uh, 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 with one another?
1: So I think that the two players absolutely can. And technically, you are allowed to sit down at basically whatever commander table you want. That's the beauty of commander in general is that there are so many ways to play it. I you know, maybe this is a hot take on the record or what have you, but I kind of just think that Commander at this point is the purest form of magic there is as far as how you end up sort of expressing yourself through deck building Mm. and can kind of customize your power level for your play group and so on is is incredibly similar to how I feel like a lot of people felt about the game when they first got into it. Whereas Mm -hmm. today, it feels like you know, modern is a very competitive format. Or sure. Standard is almost going to be the FNM format a lot of the times, or there are is brawl, which has all these special events and everything on arena. But it it feels like EDH Commander. You can really kind of do what you want in the format, and so when you sit down at a table, it it does a lot of work to ask other people at the table something like, "Hey." What what power level are we at? What are we trying to get out of this game? I know you've kind of sat down a few times and kind of outlined like, hey, there are certain kind of decks I don't really prefer playing with. Mm-hmm. Is anyone going to be doing
0: that? Mm-hmm. And, so you're so uh, uh, we did an entire episode actually uh, with Olivia Gobert Hicks about oh she's incredible yeah she is uh, 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 we did an entire episode. About how to identify and evaluate the power level of your deck versus others. And so, it sounds like you're saying is one of your first you know, mistakes that commonly commander players make is not doing the things that we discussed yes. in that episode of evaluating your deck's power level properly and fairly and thinking of that in regard to other decks. And without rehashing a lot of topics, one of the things that it all boils down to is communication with your play group, yes. honesty with others, and also honesty with yourself and recognizing what your deck is and does. Okay, so let's say I am good at evaluating my deck and its power level relative to others, uh, what are some other mistakes that you think are really commonly made by Commander players?
1: Okay, so some of the things that stick out to me, some of them are related to those social contracts we alluded to previously, and some of them are more in-game or deck-building mistakes. Mm -hmm. One of the big deck-building mistakes that I'll see people make is kind of put cards in their deck that just don't do too much on their own without the commander being in play Mm -hmm. these are things where you'll see someone who's kind of being a slave to their theme a little bit Mm -hmm. and i think the most clever deck building you'll see are cards that are pretty good on their own and pushed way over the top by whatever the commander is not sort of ham-fisted oh yeah if my deck is doing exactly what it wants to do this card's pretty good and otherwise it's very bad I think that's one of the things that you'll see a lot of people commit, say, five, maybe even ten slots in their deck to these kinds of cards, and then someone path to exiles or counters their commander, and they're not actually going to get to do anything until turn seven or eight.
0: Right, and so if you've got a commander that's either high-costed or just in general even if it's a low-cost commander these if you're running too many cards that just are essentially dead cards without the commander to uh uh uh, serve as fuel or power for them then you're not going to have a good time you're going to sit around with a lot of uh, cards in your hand that you can't play or that are not going to have any impact and so what you're saying is is that the commander should take an already good card and make it better right. rather than a card that is dead without the commander that will then be able to do something
1: right so there's a really good example i play uh zedru the great hearted mm-hmm. commander she's the donating goat lady right uh i really enjoy it and wh- i get a bunch of people who will suggest cards that i should put in it that all have some big drawback and the idea is that you'll give it away to somebody right right Uh, one of the ones that comes up a lot is Aggressive Mining, which is a card where you can't play lands and you can sac lands to draw cards is the basics of what it does, which sounds great because you can make it so someone never plays a land again. Cool stuff, right? Except if, say, I go to cast Aggressive Mining and they kill my Zedru, I'm now locked out of ever creating enough lands to pay the commander tax to cast my Zedru, and I'm stuck with this card forever and am basically dead in the water. So instead, I'll play things like Fires of Invention, which mm. is a card that will let me cast my commander for free. And then I can give Fires of Invention away and maybe make it so a combo deck can only cast two spells a turn, which is a drawback for them. Right. So it's an already good card that has a bunch of play with my commander rather than a card that only plays with my commander.
0: But I can have... Cards that only play with my commander in my deck. So, for example, one of my favorite decks you were uh, 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 looking at it earlier is my Tesa combo deck And Tesa or Everybody is so sick. Of hearing me go over this combo, I'm sure. But Tesa Orzov Scion with Darkest Hour makes it okay. so that the spirits she creates a white spirit when a black creature dies. And that means that with darkest hour in play, the spirit she creates is actually black, which lets you go infinite with all kinds of things. And literally, that is the only card that can do that is Darkest Hour. It is no other function in the deck. It gives me the combo win. And the number of games that I have played with Tesa Orzov Scion, where <laughs> I've discarded it and I don't. I've got a couple ways to, to get it out of the graveyard, but it's pretty hard if they make me discard it or I cast it and they know enough to disenchant it. Uh, what is the amount that it's fair to run? How do I know that amount that's fair to run? I mean, the deck still works, for example, without that one card, um, but that's definitely a dead card without my commander.
1: So a lot of it's gonna come down to the cost of putting these cards in your deck or mm. the cost of implementing them. So, Darkest Hour is pretty cheap to cast, if memory serves correctly. Um, Going back to the Aggressive Mining card I mentioned before, that's a 4-drop. And your card would say just have little impact if it's not on the battlefield or if you don't have Teza on the battlefield. But if you do get Teza, there's a ton of upside. That upside being you literally win the game. (laughs) Um, On the other hand, something that costs 4 mana has a drawback if you're not doing it whatever it is that you want to do, and then also doesn't have the upside of literally winning the game and just kind of shuts someone out of playing lands, that's a bit riskier. So generally, I would say you probably only want to have somewhere in the area of one to three cards that have no text without your commander. Okay. And I really don't want to play more than one card that has a big drawback if mm. you don't have your commander doing nothing is so much better than doing something that is bad for you.
0: Wow. Okay. What's uh, another mistake that you think players commonly make in Commander?
1: So another common mistake that I'll run into when looking over other players' decks or even kind of brewing up my own stuff is I will have too many interactive cards. And I think that that's something that a lot of players will end up doing. You'll play against someone or look at their deck and they'll have... 15 counter spells.
0: But don't we want a lot of what what do you mean by interactive cards? Be, and uh, when you said interactive, I'm imagining cards that work with each other, or you mean like like removal spells, uh 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 counter, things right. like that. Yeah, okay. no, that's that's not, a good... sy- not synergistic cards. Exactly. Okay. So
1: synergistic cards are kind of your combo pieces or the things that right. these are these are the cogs in your well-oiled machine.
0: Yes, right. yes. So we don't um, mean that.
1: Exactly. I'm talking about the card counterspell, swords to plowshares, red elemental blast, frozen grip, that kind sure. of thing. These are your interactive things that are good to have, a not zero number of, right? But you don't want half your spells to be these cards, or you're mm-hmm. going to struggle to actually win games. Mm-hmm. So there's a point where, uh, are, are you familiar with the term, uh, what a, with what a one for one is? I guess In terms I of card advantage. So this is you giving, for anyone who might be unfamiliar with the term, uh, this is when you trade your one card or one resource for your opponent's one card or one resource. So Counterspell is a card where you they lose their spell, you lose their spell, one card for one card. Because there is a point where you have three opponents, you can't just keep making one-for-one exchanges over and over and over or you'll end up empty-handed, and everybody else has one or two cards left. Mm -hmm. So you actually need to play things that are proactive, building towards you winning the game, or you're just not going to. You're going to come in probably third Mm -hmm. a lot, where, you know, you can stop from dying for a little bit. Someone dies, and then the other two people kind of easily gang up on you because you're out of resources.
0: Right. Well, it also seems like if we're in multiplayer in Commander, a one-for-one card is no longer one-for-one in multiplayer. Exactly. Uh, I believe we may have covered that in our and Tutor Commander episode, of which uh, Emma was the writer and professional <laughs> consultant. But if we didn't, the idea being that if it's just me playing against Emma, a counterspell is a one-for-one. But if then we also have Olivia and uh, uh, another player there, and I counter... Uh, Emma's spell, I it was one for one, but against my opponents, I have two additional ones, and so I'm actually losing ground exactly.
1: You're only getting one extra resource for your turn each turn because of the draw step return cycle, but they're each getting a resource, which means you're getting one and the cumulative umbrella exactly. We'll call it opponent is getting three,
0: right? And so that's a very bad deal. So look for things that maybe. Uh, do what? Do extra things like I'm going to counter your spell and get a scry, or counter your spell and get a coin, or should I be looking for things that then target multiple opponents? Obviously, not with counterspell, but uh, uh, you know, uh, doing three damage to one opponent versus three sure. to each opponent. See, yeah, I pay attention to you when we talk. I'm a good student. Or or <laughs> what are we? Or you're just saying just run less of it.
1: So generally speaking, my approach is to try and reduce the amount of it that I have in my decks, mm-hmm. but. If you are going to have it in your deck, you want it to fit in one of a few categories. You either want it to be very cheap, something like Veil of Summer is actually a really, really good example of this, where this is a one-mana card that turns off all counterspells. Mm -hmm. That's a a pretty good exchange for one mana, right? Uh, You want it to be something like a Sweeper, so Terminus or mm-hmm. Supreme Verdict, something like that, that's going to deal with way more than one card mm. for your one card. So this is one where it's inefficient, but it is getting you a bunch of value. And, you know, you, maybe the table hates you, but, right. you, you know, you gotta... Uh.
0: <laughs> Which is why you're less likely to run a card like Path to Exile in uh, Commander, Right
1: uh path to exile falls more into that first bucket of Mm -hmm. being incredibly efficient so it ends up being fine because even though you end up down a card uh and this actually is a great way to segue into what you should be using your reactive cards for and that's answering specific problems Mm -hmm. so path to exile is a one-mana way to break up say a creature combo sure or to just get a commander off the battlefield Mm -hmm. and that has a bunch of value but if you're just trying to trade resources a bunch and take a bunch of their cards away with stuff like Thoughtseize, which isn't really playable in Commander, I mean, sometimes in 1v1, but for the most part, you're not running into duress right. in Commander at all. Right. Right. And there's a reason for that. It's that you're not actually dealing with anything on the battlefield. It's just a one-for-one, one, which is actually kind of a one-for-one-third exchange. And you really need your cards to be more impactful than, than that if they are taking the place of what could be a card that puts you closer to winning the game, either a mana rock, a card draw spell, a damage spell, a combo piece, etc.
0: So when we are talking about numbers then, I, I used to look at basic deck building as I want to have a removal suite. I wanna have a uh, counter suite if I'm in blue. I want to have a ramp suite if I'm in green. What are the numbers that I'm, I am I mean, I understand there's a, a wide variety of categories, but let's just take removal. Let's say I'm, I, and I know this is going to be different, but how many removal spells of, let's say, just direct targeted removal would you say that I maybe want to run in general in a commander deck?
1: So I think it's going to depend a lot on what kind of deck you're playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're playing a, let's say, a traditional deck that is doing something where it's just trying to get very big and then win the game because of how much is actually put on the back. Battlefield. Uh, that's the kind of show where you're probably gonna want to have something in the ballpark of we'll say three to eight-ish
0: mm-hmm. or
1: ten-ish removal spells total. And that's counting creatures that might do it as well, like Shriekma or Ravenous Chupacabra, or flame tongue Kavu or mm-hmm. Deputy of Detention, or whatever it is. Um you, you really want to be playing cards that are going to contribute to you building this mass of cards because it's going to take you a ton of resources to go over the top of what everybody else is doing. If you're playing, say, a combo deck, I, I think you have more, more room to put very specific answers in your deck. But the kinds of each answer, or the actual quantity of each kind of answer is going to be lower. That's to say, you might have 10 or 15 things in your combo deck that can deal with what your opponent is doing to try and stop you, but you're only going to have one or two things that kill creatures. You're going to have one or two things that deal with artifacts and enchantments. You're going to have one or two things that can stop counter spells or one or two things that stop them from blowing up your lands and so on.
0: Right. I I think that it's also very important to remember that for all of these packages of, uh, with the exception possibly being acceleration, uh, that while they are answers to your opponent's threats and you are still going to need to have threats of your own, you still need to have a way to win and a lot of strategies to win. And if you've just got this one card that you're waiting for in a commander deck, well, all you're doing is I, you know, clean up your graveyard, I direct remove that card, I counter that card, all you're doing on your turn is stopping people from winning, but not progressing yourself at all.
1: Right. That's not a way to come in first. A lot of times, when you are committing, this is getting a little bit into talks that are closer to what we'll call tempo, mm-hmm. which is how much of your turn you're giving up, or how much time you're committing to mm-hmm. a play. Whenever you play, say cancel or counter spell, what have you, you are giving up part of your turn and putting yourself further away from winning because you're just Tapping two and having one less card. Mm -hmm. And if you look at your resources in a vacuum, you've tapped two, one less card. To make your opponent tap however much mana they tap for their spell and also be down one card. So all you have done is put you and someone else further from winning the game. That is effectively, if what you are trying to do is win a game of magic, that is all you have actually accomplished is putting you and one of your three opponents further from winning you are not actually closer to winning the game that way
0: so what are we going to look for as a player to avoid getting into that situation
1: so uh i think a lot of what you want to make sure that you're doing is actually putting things in your deck that put you closer to winning the game and this is a great segue to another mistake that i see a lot of players making is just putting a ton of cool cards in their deck And you end up in this board stall where everybody has 30 permanents and they are staring at each other because nobody has good attacks. And the first person to blink is going to be the first person without blockers. So they're just going to die. And you want to make sure that you are putting things that are bigger than, say, Mere Battlesphere or even Vorinclex. Because those cards are obviously very powerful and very impactful when they come on the battlefield. Everybody gets scared of them. But they aren't actually the things dealing 40 damage or running someone out of cards in their library. You need things that are going to let you draw your whole deck and then win with a Jace or a Lapman or something like Craterhoof Behemoth. This is a big reason why that card's so popular is because we end up in these spots where we have so much material on the battlefield and Craterhoof Behemoth is one of those sort of I win buttons where you get paid for having 15 creatures in play.
0: I think a lot of players actually avoid those I win buttons like they're frowned upon. Like a lot of times in a video, I might be talking about some of the well-known classic combos of various colors or combinations, and I'll see a very large number of people in the comments saying, oh, but don't do that. That oh, the exquisite Rise of the blo- Dark Roams right. is cheesy. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. I, I I say that if you're in black, you should probably consider, I mean, uh, Exquisite Blood is qu- pretty expensive these days, but if you have access to it and uh, Sanguine Bond, you can sure. resolve those two cards and that pushes the button to win. And it's good to have several options for that i mean i know crater hoof has got this like oh what a tired way to win but well how are you going to win what's your plan here to win by swinging in with with six elves every turn for for 500 turns of the game you've got three to four opponents depending on your pod uh and so i think that having the i win button or the combo kill or or whatever it takes is necessary
1: yeah and I think combos are one of the things that kind of go back to those social treaties mentioned before where something the last couple tables I've sat down at I've gone hey do you all have any fast infinite combos because I got a level with you I don't want to sit here and shuffle for five minutes and then have someone play a deceiver exarch on turn three and the game be over on turn four I don't think that's very much fun but I say it.
0: I didn't, not that one, but I did win turn three with Sig River Guide at Command Fest DC by being able to get uh, my Wonderwine combo thanks to Sea Hunter uh, online immediately. And so I ended up literally turn three going infinite turns. Uh 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 with Wanderwine combo. And that's sweet. Such. so there you Whatever. go. Yeah. Everyone looked a little disappointed, but I was so happy.
1: You need a lot of things to go right for that to happen. Yes. I feel like was... so. I think that's why that's something that is more in bounds, where if some crazy random happenstance occurs and I get to be part of this game where the one in a million happens, right. I think that's that's kind of if it doesn't feel great in the moment, but it's kind of upside.
0: But there are decks that you can build where that happens much more regularly. Almost reliably, and that's a big difference. I've been playing Sig River Guide for over five years now. Yeah, and and I have never once and I, that combo. Maybe that combo wasn't originally in it. I forget when I I put that sure. in there, but it was. Very in that in its early stages, I've never once won on a turn three blowout combo like that. It was literally like I got I got to go through my deck and just decide what my draws were. It was a, it was what we say, a god hand. And yeah. uh, so that was that. But I could, if I wanted to, work to ensure that it was much more reliable, probably not with Sig, but other uh, decks that I would have the turn three win.
1: Right. And I, I think that's a super valid way to play the game. Uh, I I think that people get so afraid of being viewed as one of these sort of you know combo jerks or whatever you know stigma you want to attach to that that they are afraid to put cards that are going to actually end a game in their deck mm-hmm. and I think that that is a mistake in itself because sometimes three or four hour commander games are fun but I feel like by the by the third hour, most people are kind of ready to either play another game or get done with this one. And having a way to ensure that it doesn't reach that point is a healthy thing.
0: I often hear with a lot of players, they say to each other in a play group that they'll get to a point and they'll just say, okay, uh, let's end this and and start going, I do this and start taking the steps necessary to bring about the end of the game. We've all had a chance to play. Uh, I see it in my hand that I have this ability and it's not turn three. So I'm going to go ahead and take it and yep. and and see if you can stop me. But if you can't, I'm going to have that win. And I think that that's actually one of the best ways to play Commander. Yeah. And we're coming out of competitive magic mindset. You more than anyone should know about that because you're a competitive pro. And, sure. you, you know, I think that a lot of us when we're uh, the Friday Night Warrior type sit down to Commander and we've got these conflicting ideas about how we should operate in that chair.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with that. I, I think a lot of it is kind of attacking this stigma that being the bad guy who ends the game doesn't actually make you the bad guy.
0: We'll shuffle up and get another game. Exactly, you know, yes, right.
1: thank you. We're, that is we're all still at
0: the table. Yes. Let's shuffle up and get another game. Uh, uh, I, I do get it with a turn three win that, like you said, I just went and did all this shuffling and now we're done there, but... If it's a night of Commander with your friends in a play group or at your local game store, it's Commander Night and you're gonna be there all Wednesday night, just shuffle up and get another game. The worst yes. thing, I would rather go to my local game store on Wednesday night and it's like, all right, we're doing Commander Night from six to 10. And okay, so it's four hours. I, I've got my, my chips and I've got my drink. I sit down. And I do a game where it's a, a, a turn three win, and then we shuffle up, and maybe a couple people switch seats, and then we have a game, and it's it's a uh, what you might call an average length forty five minute game. Everybody gets a chance to play, and then you get another game where it started to go into an hour, and then another person just went and did that exquisite blood combo and ended it. And we did another Love one, it. And, and so now we're at an hour. And 50 minutes into four hours, and we've had three games of Commander versus being that far in, and it's a deck where every creature I cast, one of my other three opponents removes it or exiles it. The graveyard opponent, it's exiled. What?
1: Are you just dragging me right now because of
0: Command Fest
1: Seattle? I, I I play what many would call a like control deck. And I played three games in one day because my deck won all three of the like two and a half hour games.
0: (laughs) The way to set a good example, Emma, is by leading, is all I'm saying. If
1: it helps at all, I literally got home and I look at my partner and I go, you know, I had a really good day today. I had a lot of fun doing this. I don't get to do it enough. I need to put something in this deck that ends the game. I need to put a planeswalker with a game-ending ultimate, or right. I need to get like I just put an insurrection in the deck or something.
0: Multiples though, you can't just have one because then if that gets taken out, then then what have you got? And uh, if the only way your deck wins is with crater hoof, and someone exiles your crater hoof, uh, like like from from your deck or something like that or hand or sure. or, or whatever, you gotta have a backup plan. Yeah. That's actually one reason I really like. Uh, uh, Voltron builds is I feel those are ones where the commander is your best Voltron, but you also put a lot of backup Voltron cards in your deck in case everybody's going to hate on your commander until it's taxed to death. And then it's got all these enchantments, all these artifacts, all these other creatures and things that are going to build up the Voltron. But, you know, it's got so many different ways to win with that same kind of aggressive strategy. And I, I think those are a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, like sometimes your Kimba's just taxed out and then they go, all right, fine, pure steel paladin. Right. And you're just like, all right, well, here we go. Let's do this. <laughs> all right, so for this next mistake, uh, I, I feel like it kind of needs to sort of preface that this is meant to be respectful of the fact that a lot of people play the game more casually than other people. Sure. Like obviously, I've kind of shaped my life around magic the last couple of years, so I'm going to know what cards do as soon as I play them and all that, and a lot of people approach the game as a fun thing to do where they're still reading cards, and that's totally fine. Um, That being said, one of the mistakes that I think players will do is they will sort of not really think about what they are going to be doing on their turn before they get to their turn, and that can lead to a sort of for lack of a better phrasing, it almost disrupts the pace of play for everybody.
0: Is it fair to call that slow play?
1: To a point, I Not feel like le- slow play has a very different connotation sure. in Magic, where it's an intentional thing, and playing, I don't think it's intentional.
0: Playing playing slower than you you should or could on your turn. Right. So for ex- so what you're saying is is that some it's it's we've got four players. I pass the turn. We go on to the next player, and then I should be thinking about the cards in my hand, the cards on my field, and when it's my next turn, obviously I'm going to draw a card and that might change everything. But as of now, if it were suddenly my turn again, what's my play, what's my move? And that can be tough. I got to pay attention to what three other players are doing. Yeah,
1: yeah, of course, right. There's always more being added to the battlefield and you don't want to miss it. And that's super important. On the other hand, there's a point where Even if you are not in the game, you also, outside of the game, while you're building your deck, can have an idea of what you're going to be prioritizing in a game and kind of make it more of a deck building exercise to know how am am I going to prioritize these things, how do I want to sequence them, and so on, rather than always figuring it out on the fly. Because there is a point where it just kind of takes away from some of the experience if one of the four players is taking half the play time, mm-hmm. you know, and not in a gameplay kind of way. Like if there are combo decks, sometimes that's just how decks work. But I don't know. I, I don't think it is necessarily always anyone, or I very much think it's not someone acting maliciously when this happens at all. But I do think that there is a point where people who do that kind of thing will be better to play with and will end up being less self-conscious because I think most people are aware when it is happening as well. You get a lot of, sorry, I'm just not sure what I want to do. I think this is a close thing. And when it's them figuring out which ramp spell they want to play, that's something that I feel like they could have thought about before the game started. And I think that that would help a lot of people honestly just play better as well just because you're going to be thinking with a clearer mind if you think about it before the game rather than you feeling pressured and like three people are watching you and you're trying to do the math on how to cast your spells and so on. Right.
0: I think that a, a really good mentality is that idea of if it was your turn in the next, literally like all of a sudden it was your turn as the other player is making their place. They play a creature. All right, they just, they're doing more on their turn, but they just played a creature. Right now, if it was your turn, what would you do? Uh, uh, with that turn. Are you going to remove that creature? Do you have removal? Are you going to play a creature even though you have removal? And by getting into the habit of constantly thinking during other players' turns about what you're going to do on your turn, when it gets to be your turn, even if you draw a card that changes everything, you can be much more cognizant of, wow, that absolutely, I'm not removing their creature now because I want to spend that mana on this, but you are clear about that, and you don't have to think, hmm, should I remove that creature? or spend my mana on this, I've had it in my head very clearly about removing it, so that when i realized, ooh, this is better, yeah. much better than just Doomblade. there we go.
1: So I think that gets into a really good way to actually frame the thought process, because I think one of the big reasons that we end up in these spots is people will get overwhelmed by how much is going on in Commander. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a very fair thing to feel. There is so much. Yes. So I play a blue, white, red deck most of the time, which involves doing things with my opponent's cards, trying to figure out when I need to play my cards. It's its own puzzle. And the way that I will think about it is, what is the scariest thing on the battlefield? Mm -hmm. If I had a removal spell that could answer the scariest card, Mm -hmm. what would that card be? And so then I'm thinking that is, if I'm playing an interactive turn or an interactive card, that is what I'm going to interact with. At the same time, I'm trying to think, what is the best card in my hand that I can play? And if I can do both of those things, that's great. But if you have, say, Sanguine Bond and you don't have the other combo piece in play yet, I can be thinking, is that scarier or is, you know, Olivia's Necassar right. scarier? Which of these is a bigger threat to me right now? Mm-hmm. And if I don't think you have the combo piece, then I don't have to think about when we get to my turn, which of these is scarier. I'm already kind of just going, okay. Croft doesn't have a combo piece. Nekasar doesn't like my blue deck drawing cards. I'm just going to go after Nekasar Mm -hmm. if that's what I'm going to do. So when I draw my card, I don't have to go, all right, so there's a Nekasar and there's these enchantments and there's a Sanguine Bond and there's, it is just, that is what I'm thinking about because it's the scariest thing. And if I don't have a better card to develop than it is to answer Nekasar, if answering Nekasar is more powerful than me playing, whatever my planeswalker or what have you is, then I just do that. And that is the way to try and simplify all of it to a couple of cards instead of I have six cards, three of them can each target 10 things. Now I have to think about
0: all of them. How fair do you think it is in Commander for me to uh, 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 ask for information that I can probably determine myself, but given the overly, like, so let me give you an example. You, let's say you're playing on uh, uh, the SCG tour and it's modern uh, uh, and uh, you have a Tarmogoyf in play. And I say, and I go, oh, hey, what's your, your," and we're, this is real competition on camera, feature match sort of thing. And I'm like, what's your, what's your Tarmogoyf at? Your answer is check, right? Like, you, or you don't even answer. I, no, I don't I, know how I much, just, I actually I don't just, know how much pros talk to each other in those feature matches uh, in terms of that. So this I don't is know if it's... Maybe that. like
1: an off-camera thing, but I feel like oh, it's, no, a, no. it's a... No, I'm saying this is like an ugly thing. Oh. But like, I think it is a very try-hardy and not cool thing to just be like, you can check.
0: Oh, oh really? Okay, a, so I thought that was like, you should be able to know yeah, what my that's, Tarmogoyf that's is at. like
1: there's like, there's certainly a point where... It is derived information is a thing that you do not have to tell your opponent, right? But for the most part, it is just faster to tell them, and the clock is more important than any like interesting edge you'll gain we or whatever. Talk competitive magic so, in
0: another episode, but my point being that in a game of Commander, and you're probably not playing Tarmogoyf in a game of Commander, but if you are, and you had that, and there's two other people, and there's eighteen thousand things on the board that do you think it's fair for me to just be like, hey Emma, what's your tarmac life at? Uh hey, does anybody so anybody have any flyers? Like like right now, any flyers? Great. Then I'm gonna do this and and ask those sort of shortcut, you Love know, it. questions. I think that
1: is incredible. And I think people should like kind of just I don't know. I shouldn't be
0: embarrassed, like, wow, I'm yeah. a bad. I don't know if there's any flyers out of fifteen creatures of three other players. You yeah, know, Yeah, for
1: the most part, I I understand this is speaking from a place of privilege, but I'm going to assume most of the people I play with are fairly literate and could suss out if things have an F and an L and a Y and an I and an N and a G on it. Sure. Right. I, I assume they can piece it out and them asking is not them being incapable of doing so. They are trying to do the table a favor. Go fast. And say, hey, so instead of reading every single creature for the next two minutes, flyers, Yeah. flyers, yeah. flyers, that, right. no flyers.
0: And that's, I I really like that about Commander uh, uh, in general because, you know, seriously, and you don't even know what your table looks like sometimes. You're sitting at a table and those two minutes or even one minute, it sounds like take one minute and look around, that that adds up over the course of a game. If I take a minute here and then Emma takes a minute there and, and then this person takes a minute there, that can add up to 20 minutes of, I need to just yeah. check and see if anyone has a flyer. How much
1: mana do you have? Yeah. Just answer. Which
0: just, yeah, how much just mana? Just answer, I Great, mean. Great, because I'm going to steal it to cast this, yeah. you know, or whatever.
1: And you don't, don't, I, what is, this makes me mad, and it might mm-hmm. be its own side tangent. It makes me upset when people, when you go, how much mana do you have? And they'll go, I have five lands untapped, and they have a Gilded Lotus and a Noble Hierarchy. Right. It's just, Come on, we all know what the person was asking. Can we?
0: I think if that's how you're going to respond, Commander isn't the format for you. Yeah. I, I I just don't think, I don't think Commander can survive uh, 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 if that mentality gets adopted too much. That That just isn't going to work because ultimately Commander is a, broken format that the social contract makes unbroken. Right. uh, Or at least tapes together into a fun little picture. None of us look at
1: Soul Ring and go, this is balanced.
0: Right, right. Of course not. Yeah. Uh, And so, yeah. Uh, uh, Before we close out, any final uh, uh, common mistakes? You no, not things.
1: really. Uh, I, I think most of it is. I, I assume you've seen Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure.
0: Yes, indeed.
1: So f- My rule of thumb with Commander, I just try to say be excellent to each other, right? Mo- we're, we're trying to play a game. We're trying to have a good time. There aren't a lot of high-stakes Commander things.
0: And party on, dudes.
1: Exactly. I'm not going to do that.
0: This but. is the first time in six and a half years that a guest has referenced a movie, and I knew the movie.
1: Sometimes you're just a wild stallion, you know?
0: Wild <laughs> stallions!
1: <laughs> Gotta have wise in there and everything.
0: Right, right.
1: <laughs> but, like, just just be nice to everyone. People are here for to have fun. Like, be a part of that, you know? If you're not there to have fun. And if you play competitive commander, that's cool too. But I think most people who play commander are there because they kind of just want to play a game with some people. So... Be a gamer with some
0: people, you know? Sounds like good advice. Emma, thanks so much for joining us. If people want to find more of you and what you do, where can they find that? I think I've seen you on TV. All
1: over the internet. You can read my articles over on StarCityGames.com. I do broadcasting and commentary over on the SCG Tour. And I have a podcast called The Playset. It's
0: a good podcast.
1: Oh, thanks. It I is. made it myself.
0: Yeah, check this well, video's description. With my friends and as well. with your friends that, your your co-hosts
1: yeah yes they're yes. wonderful
0: they're watching they're like what the hell emma what the hell it's oh it's your po- emma handy's the
1: this is an emma handy podcast <laughs> right
0: and emma Handy and Emma handy joint <laughs>
1: There are several ways to create an infinite draw your deck loop with Chulain and a couple of other cards, and some are less obvious than others. As long as you have a total of 4 creatures and 5 lands, Chulain, Peregrine Drake, and Gaia's Cradle allows you to do everything. Chulain's own bounce ability is surprisingly relevant in the deck and should be utilized when possible.